0: Hey, well, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, Jesus came. Come on, Merry Christmas to y'all. Hey, listen, I just want to give a huge welcome to family, friends, people on all the different campuses online all over the world. Uh, This is a great opportunity to put our hands together for Jesus, all that he's done for us on all the campuses. Come on. He's done such a great, great work in our lives. Come on. You know, this is such a beautiful time of year, and it's uh, one of those times of years, uh, year, excuse me, year where, where people come out to church because uh, everybody's talking about Jesus, and uh, maybe you're here on one of our campuses this morning because you saw one of our TV commercials or heard a radio spot or maybe saw some social media. And uh, we just want to let you know that regardless of why you're here, we are so glad that you came. Listen, we pray for people like you. We believe that there's something here for you that can help you with all of your challenges in life, and we're so grateful that you came. Listen, if there's anything that we can do to serve you, to help you, to pray for you, to just come alongside and be a friend to you, we want to let you know that's what Mana House is all about. We're a church for the journey. We want to help you on your journey as well. You know, just a second ago, you uh, saw a little video teaser. It's just a little 30-second clip that will go out onto social media this week. And there's going to be little snippets that will take place over the next couple weeks. Uh, December 23rd, we're going to give you the full story. Um, It's a story you're not going to want to miss. And it's really a story about Manor House. It's It's a guy that's in our church, Diego, who's down at our downtown campus, and how he came into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And really, we want to make sure that everybody that hears our voice in any one of our services or in any outlet of media gets this one thing. That's what this season's all about. It's about Jesus, and it's about a transforming life with Him. And this morning, as we jump into this series, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, hopefully we're going to be able to push aside all the noise, all the pressures, even though we're going to make our way through all the parties. We, we want just a moment of the week to be focused where we realize that Jesus is the reason for the season. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And I know that there's lots of people as we come into this season that celebrate Jesus because they've had a personal relationship with him. They understand exactly why he came, and because of that, their life has been transformed because of their personal relationship with him. But I also know that there's billions of people all over the world, 4.3 billion people, that may celebrate this time, but they've never really had a personal relationship relationship with Jesus. And so over the next four weeks, we want to talk about that. Not only just for ourselves, that we remind ourselves again. Again, as believers that fill every single one of our campuses, listen, let's not just look at the Christmas message as some kind of traditional liturgical message. Let this be an opportunity for us once again to refresh our relationship and our commitment to a God who sent his only son to die for you. Can I hear an amen? Come on, you can do better than that. Can I hear a big amen? So we want to make sure that, again, that we just, we dive in and really understand the reason for the season. Can I pray for you and pray for the word this morning? You're supposed to say, oh yeah, you can pray. Come on, Jesus, we thank you. Come on, Lord, right now. Lord, you help us in the midst of the noise. God, to just remember why you came. The cost, Lord, of sending your son for us is overwhelming. And Lord, would you open our ears to hear what you're saying? Would you open our hearts? God, would you help us to make room for you in our life, in our house? And we thank you for it. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, personally, I've, um, I've always loved the season of Christmas. And I go back and I think about as young as I can remember, early as I can remember, that Christmas was a time for me to just escape from all of the childhood pains and struggles, growing up in a, a situation where family was a little tough. And it was kind of one of these moments where you could just kind of dive in for a season and escape from all of that, and just kind of numb yourself all the pains of real life and the things that I just think about when I think about Christmas I think about in the the the, the whole idea of of the festivities and and the fudge and the lights and the the fudge and the the presents and the fudge and the parties and the fudge and I mean just everything that Christmas has to offer and did I say fudge I love fudge, please don't send me any. I'm trying to escape from that in my life. It's a special season. You know, the one thing that I loved about Christmas growing up was the gifts. Come on, anybody just loved gifts as a kid? You loved to have all of those gifts and I can remember just waiting for the new bike and I'd pray every uh, every year that I'd get a new model. I'm talking about the plastic kind that you put together, you know? And so I'd just be praying for models and I'd be praying for Hot Wheels and I just, I love that season. And as long as I can remember, I remember uh, enjoying gifts, getting gifts. But have you noticed that the older you get, that it kind of shifts? That it's really not about getting gifts in as much as it's giving gifts. I'm already right now with my grandchildren, I'm getting all the lists and all the Google links and everything else, I think I'm going to have to go get a line of credit when I look at their list, but it's kind of like, Papa, Papa, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, and looking at all that stuff. And there's a joy to be able to give because what? You love. And it used to be when Christmas came around, I would um, be asked this question, what do you want for Christmas. And today I would say something like this, I don't know if I really want anything, but there's a few things that I really need. And I think when it comes down to it, and the older that we get, I think that if we were really honest with ourselves, and as we enter this, question, this, this season with this question, what is it that we really need? What do we really need? It seems like Christmas is advertised earlier and earlier to try to numb your mind from this one question. I mean, I wonder what it would look like if we just escaped from the Black Friday madness. The credit card piling up of debt. And we just stopped and we asked ourselves this question. I mean, just, just right now, just stop and ask yourself this question. What do I really need right now? I mean, really, really need. And I think if we just unpacked it, we would recognize the things that we actually really need, you can't get in a store. I mean, when you think about it, like, like for myself, what I really need right now is I need, I need strength. I need some grace. I need some joy, I need some hope. So talk with people today and you look at our world today, you realize that there's there's people that need healing. There's there's people that need like relationship. There's people that need forgiveness. There's there's people that are are so lonely, they just need a relationship. I mean, if we just push aside the toys and the billions of dollars that we're going to spend, can we just ask ourselves this question, what do I really need? And when we place that in front of ourselves, there's another revelation that happens. We realize that we not only cannot get that in a store, but the only place that we can ever really get the things that we really need can only come from Him. They only come from Jesus. Maybe that's why God, knowing all of our needs and all of our voids, chose to send his son to us that he might be the answer to every one of your needs. What we really need is Jesus. That was an underwhelming response. What we really, listen, listen. What you and I, regardless of how long you've been a believer or whether you walked in this room and you don't even know if you believe in God, what we really need, Hallelujah. just listen, just listen. You, Jesus. It's, Jesus. it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open up to Isaiah chapter 9, it's in the Old Testament. If you have your Man House app, you can open that as well. I would love for you to get the app. We're doing so much to communicate with you. And I want to look at chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 6 and work backwards and come back to verse 6. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, there's this statement made, by Isaiah as he speaks on behalf of God to people. And he says this, for to us, just stop right there for a second. Let, let this card that you, this, this scripture that you see on Christmas cards, just, just forget that for a second and look at what that just said. For to us. For to you. Stop and think about this for a second. That God himself chose to come in the form of flesh for you. For to you, Dave, Cindy, Mike, Steve, whoever you are. For to me, a child is born. To us, the son is given. He didn't just come, but he came in the form of a gift for you. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, and listen to these beautiful attributes, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This is probably one of the most Profound and life-impacting scriptures that you could ever digest. That despite your life, your sin, your behavior, your lack of passion for him, your resistance to him, your lack of belief in him, whatever you want to put there, that listen, he left that, to come live here for you. And this was written 700 years before Christ was even born. And what God's trying to communicate to these people as well as us and all of humanity is that what we really need is Jesus. And as you look at this scripture, it came in a very difficult time in the history of Israel. And again, just even their entire existence was in question. There was an onslaught or a rise of the Assyrians. And they're in this place of hopelessness and despair, uncertainty. There's complacency and apathy. There's injustice and hatred and wars. And all of this stuff is going on. And he comes in the midst of their darkness, their hopelessness, their fear, their anxiety. And he speaks this word right through the cloud. By the way, in the midst of all of this, I'm bringing the answer to your needs. It's not in a new pair of shoes. It's not in a new car. It's not in a better job. It's not in how much money you have in your IRA account. It's in Jesus. And you think about the time of Isaiah and you look at the time today and you recognize that there is an, an alarming parallel between the two times. You look at the injustice. You look at what's happening in our political system. You can't even turn the TV on anymore without having a panic attack. You look at the immigration issues. I mean, everywhere that you turn, the strife and the hatred, the moral behavior, the decline. Could it possibly be in 2018 that God's speaking through the cloud of our darkness? to try to let us know in the midst of all of our pain and suffering and challenge and fear and anxiety, go, by the way, unto you. Hallelujah. Right now for you. you Jesus. A son's given. Jesus. It's given to you. Hallelujah. And everything that you're looking for, everything that you're hoping for, everything that you're searching for, it can only be found in him. Hallelujah. Jesus is the only one that can take care of all of the darkness that's around you. And listen, also the darkness that's within you. And so let's just, let's just understand this morning that our greatest need is Jesus. Come on, would you say that with me, all campuses? Come on. Our greatest need is Jesus. I mean, it's no coincidence that the lead characters of the most popular movies of all time depict this prophesied hero or this chosen one that comes to save people from an evil empire, or an evil world. Isn't it interesting how that happens everywhere that you look? I mean, it's like, it's like the human heart is, is, is really looking for someone to come and rescue them. I mean, it's just kind of like, we love these movies because it, it kind of depicts this idea that there's actually some solution to the desperate hopelessness that lies within. And you stop and think about some of these super blockbuster videos or movies that are out right now. How about Star Wars? I mean, go back. How many of you have any Star Wars fans? Come on. Now, don't, just, just, just wave at me. Come on, if you're, you're proud to be a Star Wars fan. I'll pray for Jesus. I mean, you think about Star Wars and you think about what it represents. You know that there's over $40.29 billion of box office sales and, and, and sales of all of the goods and everything combined. I mean, it's, just, it's a story about a guy named Luke Skywalker that comes against the, the Galactic Empire. And... And it's just kind of like we get, we get lost in this idea that there's a hero that can come and help us through all of our darkness. How about Harry Potter? Any Harry Potter fans out there? Come on. All the, a little bit, our, I'm sorry. Father, we just stop and we pray for every person <laughs> that raises their hand right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Never even saw a Harry Potter movie, but I was surprised that it's the, the largest book series sold in history, $30 billion, almost a billion people went and saw Harry Potter movies. And then you just go from there, And let's, let's not forget about Batman and Superman and Batwoman and Superwoman and Spider-Man and Spider-Child or whatever else is out there, and <laughs> Black Panther and Thor and Ant-Man, Avengers and Transformers, and for those of you that are hardcore and little old school underdog, come on. Come on. There's no need to fear, underdog is here, right? And Herbie the Fat Fury, and then let's not forget about Plastic Man. Who in the heck is Plastic Man? But here's the thing. We love these stories. We line up by the millions and spend billions of dollars to walk into a theater and just to be kind of temporarily mesmerized by these superheroes that are gonna save humanity. I do it myself. I really don't go, just the time of confession, I don't go for the movie, I go for the popcorn. (laughs) If you go with me, I get mocked for this all the time, I buy the family size, I put enough butter in it, you put the straw in, (laughs) you just get it (laughs) off the bottom when you're done. And whoever goes with me, and again, this is just confession, I line up all of the drink trays. So if there's four people with me, I put out four drink trays. I take the popcorn right there in front of everybody and I pour it into the four trays and then I get a refill so that they can, they can share their little thing, but I get the whole family size to myself. I love it. And I go in just like you and I watch these movies and they're exhilarating. But when the movie is over, popcorn's gone, Skittles are gone, Diet Coke's gone, you need any kind of CPR instructions for the moment because there's so much like butter in your system. And here's what happens. You leave the same way that you came in. No answer to your needs, to the solutions, and to the problems. I think about that. And I just have to ask myself the question, why are we so drawn to that? Literally, why do billions of people flock to theaters? It tells us something. We have a great need. We all recognize that there's something beyond ourselves that we just can't fulfill within ourselves our greatest need it can only be met with Jesus this is what the prophet Isaiah is communicating as God speaks through him to the people let's stop trying to Figure it out as if there's something else that can fill the needs of the voids. And here's what's very interesting about this little portion of Scripture. I want to go back a couple different verses and go back up to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Because Isaiah begins to point out something that's pretty significant here. Because we think that we're basically good, we oftentimes associate the darkness as things around us but not within us. And verse 2, he says this, he says, the people who walk in darkness, the word walk in, it literally means that the way in which they live, the way that they behave, the way that they think, that they actually, the people who actually live their lives in darkness, he says, they'll see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And he's trying to point something out. Every person, you gotta hear me. He's saying, listen, the darkness is within you. Evil dwells in people, not in rocks. Evil dwells in people. And he's trying to help them understand that, listen, every person that was ever born was in need for a savior. Whether this is your first time ever hearing this or you've heard this your whole life, let us just be reminded of why he came. It's because we were dark, we were separated from God. There were voids in our life. There was nothing that we could do to fulfill those voids. There's nothing we could do. You came out of the womb in need of a savior. Before you could even talk, you needed Jesus. Because you were born with this sinful nature. And and it's so sad because we live in a world today that just says, listen, you're you're basically good. Right? 80% of people today actually believe that the way that they have a relationship with God or will have eternal life is because they're basically a good person. Now you might be better than the other person, but you're far lot, excuse me, far less good compared to God. That's right, that's right. I mean, even our kids. We're, we're, we we get into society today, and we get into this Christmas season, and they start hearing songs, and we we sing them, and they're on the radio, and this is kind of like we're singing lies. How about this one? You better watch out. Better not cry. Come on. I'm telling you why. Why? Santa Claus is coming to town. Let's go to the chorus. Come on. He knows you. He knows if you ain't sleeping. Come on. He knows if you're awake. Come on. You can even snap. He knows it. Good. So be good for goodness' sake. Hey. So just be good. The answer is just be gooder. (laughs) So be good for goodness sake. The Bible's trying to help us understand there's nothing that you can do to be gooder. You can't. It's only what Jesus can do. And it's why He came, and it's why we celebrate in this season, because Jesus truly is our greatest need. And this isn't just for someone the first time that they come into a relationship with Him. This is for every one of us. Listen, right now, you need Jesus. Next breath. You need Him now. You need Him now. And we want to put him into this package or slip him back under the manger. Somehow we'll just come around 75 minutes a week to kind of just let him know that like we're kind of thinking about him. Here's what Jesus said when he grew up, John 15, five. This is what he said. He said this, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches and if a man remains in me and I'm in him, he will bear much fruit, meaning that you'll live. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Why? Because you need him. We just went last Friday, and we went out and cut Christmas trees. It's our tradition on Friday. Right after Thanksgiving, we get all the family out, rain or shine, went out in the pouring rain and mud and picked this beautiful new kind of tree. I don't know what it's called. Is it called like a... a, No, it's not a pine. It's like... um, it's something. It's cool fir tree. A Nordman or maybe, maybe it's called a Nordman fir. It's beautiful. But you know what happened? As soon as we started to saw that thing, and we busted it off, it started to die. Now, we're trying to keep it alive by putting a bunch of water in it. But the reality is it's going to die. Why? It's because it's been cut off from its life source. We were born to be connected to Jesus. And without being connected to Him, you're disconnected from the life source. If we go back, what do we really need? You can't get those things without being connected to Jesus. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. Zip, zero, nada, nothing. Even Paul himself, he says this in Romans 7. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. So there's nothing that I can do to fill that void or that need. He says, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good but I cannot, I cannot carry it out. He goes on and talks about that it's only the Spirit of God within them, Christ in them, the hope of glory. It's only in Him that you can get all of your needs met and that you can live the life that God's called you to be. Come on, someone just say, Jesus is my greatest need. Jesus is my greatest need. He's my greatest need. And if He's my greatest need, then... He should become my greatest hope. (laughs) What are you hoping for this season? What are you thinking about? I mean, when you wake up in the morning and go, I just hope that I can blank. Can you honestly put Jesus into the blank? I, I think about this because the level of your hope is determined by your revelation of your need. Come on, say that. And if you can't see the need, yeah. you don't have a real passion for the hope. Say that. Yeah. I mean, you think about cancer. I have some friends and some people right now struggling with it, and I pray for them, and I'm burdened by that. But, he, but here's the situation. I don't wake up every moment hoping for a cure... You know why? I I just don't have cancer. But if I had it. And again, I I want people to be healed, and I'm hoping that there's a cure, but not in the way that if I realize that within me that my only hope of survival was a cure. And the reality is is that the, the, the level of your need will always determine the level of your hope for a cure. And so we have to start. This is, what, this is what Isaiah is trying to help us understand. Is Listen, you have a problem. We have a problem as humans. There's a void in our life. We can't live without them. And the, the, again, the level that we understand the problem will determine the level that we pursue the solution and the hope for the cure. L- listen, to what, listen to what he says two verses later. Isaiah 9 verse 4. It says this. For you speaking of Jesus, the Messiah to come, the great light, you will break the yoke of their slavery. They understand this because of what happened in Egypt. And will lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. That sounds like hope to me. I mean, is there anybody here this morning feeling kind of like burden of life and some yoke upon your life and maybe an addiction, fear, anxiety, something that you've created, something that's happened to you. When you think about that and you go, okay, is there actually the chance that that could be removed and I could be set free? All of a sudden it's going like, uh, hope comes out. And and this is what this is saying. It's it's like, it's a hope scripture for, for you, Jesus. Jesus will come. He's speaking to some people today and he will break the yoke of your slavery. He will lift the burden from your shoulders. He'll break the oppressor's rod off of your life. When we go back to the question, what do we really need? We should begin to put into context this and say, this is what I'm hoping for. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking that, listen, I just need to be forgiven of sins and I need my mistakes to be removed and I need a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells you that. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You are a new creation. Put your hope in that. You know, maybe you're here and you're just thinking about the whole idea of addictions. John 8.32 says that His truth will set you free. Maybe you're dealing with shame. Psalm 25.3 says, listen, if you follow him, you'll never be put to shame again. You go over and over and over through the scriptures, 5,000 promises to you. God spoke these promises because he knew, he knew that you would need him to show up in your life. And so if Jesus becomes our greatest need, He should become our greatest hope. And ultimately, it should lead us to this then. Jesus should become our greatest decision. He should become our greatest decision. I just want to go back to that opening verse. Unto us, you, me. Son, Jesus, freely given. I think about in my life, 1982, three in the morning, listening to Keith Green. I remember making that decision. I I realized. I was going to either die or end up in prison unless something happened. The need was so great. The darkness was so bad. And Keith Green makes a statement. No matter how bad your life is, no matter how great your need, he came for you. I remember making that decision, greatest decision I've ever made in my life. I wake up every day reminded, God, help us. I, I, I look at John three sixteen almost every morning. I just look at it to remind myself of what he did for me. Thank you, Jesus. Think about it. For God so loved the world, you. That word world is ethnos, people, all peoples. No one left out. He loved you so much, he gave his only son. That whosoever should believe, not just believe, because a lot of people believe, the Bible even says that the devil even believes and trembles. It's not just because you believe, it's that you Recognize your need so much and put your hope so much in him that you're willing to say this. I'm going to put my life in. I'm going to entrust my entire being into the hands of God because I know that without him, I can do nothing. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world in order that the world might be saved. We, we all understand the gift idea. You go out and you buy something. There's some heart in behind it. You, you have this love for a person, so you buy it. It's really not a gift until it's given and also received. A gift not received is not a gift at all. So God's done his part for us. He gave his son. He's also given us free will. This is our part. Where we have to decide whether we want to accept that gift into our lives. And I know that there's some people here today or on one of the campuses or online, you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I put my whole life at your feet. I recognize this morning that you're my greatest need. Now you need to become my greatest hope and I need to make the greatest decision. I'm gonna give you an opportunity. One of the campus pastors will in a moment. But guys, this applies to everybody in the room. Church is filled with wonderful people. And again, I I, I think we love God, but do we wake up every morning deciding to say, I'm gonna make you Lord of my everything. This morning I wake up and today, God, I just say, Lord, I recognize what you've done. I recognize my desperate need for you. God, I want to start hoping. God, I want to start believing that you're going to do something great in my life like never before. You start that way. Or has life just become kind of a blur? This morning for all of us, every campus, we get the wonderful privilege to start this season by just saying, you know what? I'm gonna start by putting him first in my life because that's why he came in the first place.